Hello and welcome back to opening up a new tab. I'm Kyle Marshall and with me today are Miss Emily Sanders and Evelyn Hamburg. I'm Emily. I'm Evelyn. Nice. Nice. If you haven't had a chance to listen to our first podcast, we explored some uh, conspiracy theories. Make sure you check that one out. That was pretty fun. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, today, though, we're going to be going over the best and worst movies of 2022. Movies, music, television stuff, a little bit more. Probably stick some other things in there because I got a couple different tastes as well. So I guess we can lunge directly into it. I want to thank you guys because this was kind of my idea and... Uh, mostly because I think that y- I think that there's a lot out there, and I thought I don't know what I thought. Thanks for doing it anyway. Yeah, this, no, this yeah. is fun. I like ranting about stuff I don't like, and this is probably what it's going to be. So to get that kick started, then my rants. I guess we should probably go to the top movies in Netflix, right? If you want to. Okay, I'm fine with that. So I'll give it a quick breakdown with the top ten. First up, we have the Tindler Swindler. <laughs> okay. The Tinder Swindler. Number two, we got the Adam Project. Three, the Sea Beast. Four, Don't Look Up. Five, the Gray Man. Six, Purple Hearts. I heard Evelyn talking about that earlier. Seven, the Man from Toronto. Eight, Hustle. Nine, Senior Year. And number ten, Me Time. So. I guess we'll go down the list. Who is watching these movies? Not me. Heard of, like, none of us. Actually, no. I watched The Adam Project because my mm. dad likes these type of movies, and it was not good. <laughs> they so they the, the whole premise of it, if you haven't seen it, is that uh, Adam, which is the big dude and the you know the main hero of it, is uh, what's his name Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds again. And he, you know, Again. is his, his Evelyn's favorite actor. My favorite actor. Apparently everybody's because they keep putting him in so much stuff. Um, he goes into space as like some sort of space warrior. And then his, uh, I don't know, time spaceship messes up. And it's he goes a major back time, in time travel film. Yeah. Space yeah. Force. Yeah. It was majorly bad. It wasn't very good. I'll get into it later, though. Anyway, he meets his younger self. And the whole premise of it is just him trying to get back to his timeline, I'm pretty sure. I kind of stopped about halfway through the intro because it was awful. I think the only saving grace that they tried to make was, like, the fact that the little kid that was supposed to be uh, older, Ad- or Ryan Reynolds, who going to say Adam Sandler. <laughs> he plays the same character every movie, too, though. That's so true. Like and that's what I was going to say. The younger one that they have is just, they, like, copy and pasted or attempted to copy and paste Ryan Reynolds' personality into a younger kid. So he watched Deadpool like 15 times? Yeah. yeah. And Dang. he just imitated Ryan Reynolds from that? Yeah. Well, I'm assuming the kid like, you know, saw Deadpool on one of his streaming services and didn't tell his parents he watched it like 12 times. Yeah, he's like 12, yeah, right? Yeah, he's, he's not very old. He's 12, about 12. And uh, he replicates... Ryan Reynolds pretty okay. There's that video. There's like a TikTok or something of him uh, doing the of one of the Deadpool monologues um, in front of Ryan Reynolds. It's it's cute. I think this could be a generational thing because I actually really enjoyed the Adam Project. I thought it was no a really good film. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, wow. Thanks. I, You're I think the uh, I really liked the um, young actor like last name was Walker or something. Of uh, the little boy. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's in the new Percy Jackson. Is he really? Yeah, he's playing Percy Jackson. Hmm. There's a new um, TV show that was announced to come out 
I think next year um, on the Percy Jackson like book series, mm, and he plays the main character, and I think it's really cool. I have never read the Percy Jackson. You are books, actually kidding me, right and now. I feel like professionally, as as a professional librarian, I say that. And how can you even hold your job title and not have read those books? It'll come up in my it. employee review. I'll, I'll talk about it. I've also never read Percy Jackson. Oh, come on. Okay, but listen, I didn't like that fantasy genre of this teen, you know, gets kicked in the pants by his family members, and then he goes out on some magical adventure where apparently he's a pseudo-god. So Harry Potter wasn't a favorite either for everybody. I feel like that story is very... Uh, I don't overdone. know. Over, yeah, over-decorated is a better way mm-hmm. to say it in my mind. There's a lot of people that like it. I talked about this in the very first one. I don't know if we're ever going to release that one. But in assuming <laughs> that we aren't, uh, I ranted about how I didn't like Harry Potter because I feel like the people that like it are either really smart or they're just people that aren't and they wanted to read it for a book project that they didn't want to finish fully because basically everybody knows the story of Harry Potter. It's not that big. When I was seven yes. in the second grade, I read the first Harry Potter book and I had to do a book report on it. And I showed up dressed as my favorite character, oh my God. which was Dumbledore. Oh, my God. And I showed up in the robes and the, and the wig, and I did my whole book report from the perspective of Dumbledore <laughs> talking about his school. And you grew seven feet, and you also grew a giant beard, and you said, oh, hello, kids. <laughs> it's like you were there. That's exactly oh, how shoot, the computer turned off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You turned out as one of the smart ones, but generally, you're welcome. Generally, um, the kids that do it for a book report are just trying to get it over with, and they're like, oh, I know Harry Potter. I watched the movie. And they're close enough that you can probably just fudge some stuff in the middle, and it'll be close enough. So I don't like Harry Potter. Next up is, (laughs) (laughs) I guess we could go to Sea Beast. I don't know. Have you guys even heard of the Tinder Swindler? Can we just do, like... Ones we know. Yeah, you don't That's have to go idea. through this whole. <laughs> I don't know which I wanted, ones we. I, don't I know wanted which ones to talk about not. the Batman. I want to talk about Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah that, that's Batman. on the list. We should talk about the Batman. I really liked it. I like Robert Patterson, but um. Yes, Mr. Quinn, you've given <laughs> yeah. you've given stuff in the past. Come on now. Pattinson. Pattinson, whatever. I don't know. Okay. James Patterson yeah. is the okay. author. James yeah. Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. I don't know. I feel like it was fun. I liked it. Fun? I liked the... Was it the whole fun of the movie supposed to be that it was grungy? No. Oh, my God. You can't slap some eyeliner on a dude and play, like, Nirvana and just expect people to take it as grungy, bro. Valid. That's like... I thought the Batman was an excellent portrayal and a different version of Batman than we've gotten before. Um, I think we always, I like this like pre-Bruce Wayne story. Every version of Bruce Wayne we've ever really gotten has been this, like, this playboy persona and he has an incredible amount of trauma and hurt and he is a broken man and I like that we're getting this version before versus like Batman Begins where you kind of see that in the Batman Begins movie um but he works through his like big training and then he comes back and he's just uh he's just suave Bruce Wayne and I like that this version of the Batman is kind of catapulting into what kind of weirdo is Batman because Batman like the whole idea behind the Batman is is strange it's weird uh, he's probably mentally unstable and I like that they <laughs> lean into that reality perhaps, perhaps. I also really like Paul Dano's um, portrayal of the Riddler he just looks like a dude who would tell riddles 
like his little smile. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I could think about the whole movie. That dude would tell me a riddle. Well, and sure. I think it's believable. <laughs> I think it's believable that yeah. you have this bad guy who believes fully. I mean, the Riddler in this movie believes fully that he and Batman are not only uh, peers but equals. He thinks that they're on the same justice journey. And the way that they're seeking that justice is just a little bit different. And it's really interesting because going back to Batman is a weirdo. Um, but how do, you, how do you harness that? Yeah. I think it's a fabulous film. Yeah, fantabulous. I agree. I like it. I didn't actually watch it, but from oh, what I've seen, listen, gosh. I don't like movies. It's okay. It's I do okay. not like sitting down into a movie theater packed with people that I don't like or that I do like, or surrounded by people that I don't know, for about two and a half hours max especially to watch a, a film. Batman movie. Especially Batman movie. I probably would like it. To be fair, I would probably ther- thoroughly enjoy it. But the problem <laughs> is, I don't like movie theaters. It just boils down to that. Mm. I saw it three times in theaters. That. that lucky person, I know I can't sit through a theater. I don't know. I just hate it. Like, it's like too enclosed. I don't really feel safe in a movie theater. Okay, well, I, you're starting to drift away from me, but <laughs> I think I feel inc- I feel fine in a movie theater. It's not that it's unsafe. <laughs> it's more just like I'm restless, so I like doing stuff inside of movies. Like when I'm at a friend's house and we're watching movies. Just, like, mess with them halfway through the movie. Can't really do that at a theater. You shouldn't We're, really do that, period. I like talking through a movie. I like talking through a movie. That's true, because you can make your own funny quips. And it's <laughs> a lot better than whatever garbage they thought was going to be hilarious. That's just my two bits, though, because <clears> that happens quite frequently. I think that movies should be, like, community moments. But when I guess when I go to the movie theater, I have that feeling that, like... Every person here, we're all having this shared experience of seeing this thing, but you don't have to do it with anybody. It, you can just be there alone. But also when you walk out, I kind of like that experience and eavesdropping on other people's conversations about the, the movie I just watched. I'd probably do it alone. I think when you're alone, that's different. But, it, you know, I'm never going to a movie theater on my own. I, if I'm going to do something, I want to be with friends. I'm not going to, you know, go to a movie yeah. theater You on should my own. definitely go to the movie alone. I watched Top Gun alone. It's- and you said that that's one that you really enjoyed, yeah? Mm. I think it, in, uh, it elevates the experience. Well, at least it sounds like it. It would make sense for that to happen. But I just can't. I don't, I don't like movie theaters, bottom line. That's about all it boils down to. See, I think that streaming has kind of ruined mm. movie watching. Like, I would, I would rather see something in the theater before I see it in my home. But how expensive are the movies nowadays? Yeah. It's like 20 Sex. bucks a ticket and, like, the popcorn is at least, like, 30 That's another thing. I'm not trying oh. to drop, like... 20 bucks to see a movie with small Drop popcorn. Drop a grand. Drop a grand. <laughs> a yeah, I'm going to buy the whole, side, the whole seat or the yeah. whole line of seats. I, I don't know. I, uh, That's my two bits. I grew up in California in like the 2010s when a movie ticket was like $16. Oh. To me, to this day, movie theater prices in this area, I'm like, it's the cheapest I've ever seen Imagine it. Imagine $6 for a ticket. No, it's $5 not. $5 on Tuesday. No, yes, it's not. Like, Maybe I need to get the app. You can also get tons of rewards. Like every, I think every 50 points, you get a free ticket. Yeah, and each movie's a point. Have fun with that one. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a dollar It's two point. points. Dollar <laughs> point. That's crazy. Dollar point? Okay, that's not. I, I have like 1,600 points. Good God, Mr. Quinn. You're Somebody likes movies. Enjoyer. Big movie problem. enjoyer. Big movie man over big there. Big movie man. Uh, Somebody's so a critic. Speaking... Speaking of big movies, um, Dune 
oh. was huge. Did you see Dune? I did. I love that I one. I loved Dune. What did you think about it? Miss Emily, did you read the book? No. So the there's there's is, the kicker. The um, book is complicated. The the movie. Did you say the movie or the book is? The book. The book is very very complicated. That was like, last year. Um. It's the most. Be quiet. Movies. I'm still gonna talk yeah, about it. Know, I really like it. Last year, whatever. You it's know most, what? Okay. Most streamed movie yeah. on HBO. The list Facts. that we're working off of are the most streamed in 2020. In 2022, it came out on okay. HBO in 2022. So that's when people whatever. saw I'm it, so Mr. Happy Quinn. With it. Yeah. Besides the point. Yeah. I like Dune a lot. I read the book. I've read up to the fourth book, mm. actually. And I really love the Dune series. Mark Herbert, or what is it? Frank Herbert is just like this cr- like psychotic old dude. And I love the way he writes. And that's about the only stories that I've enjoyed like thoroughly. Except for another book, but I'll get into that later. Maybe. I guess not. Well, we'll see. Anyway, I would love to talk books. I also like books. Anyway, Dune is such an amazing film if you've read the book. They were so accurate with most of the things in there that it was crazy. The only thing that was wrong was that they changed one of the characters. I forgot what their name was, Kynes, uh, or Kynes, that's what it was. Kynes was originally supposed to be a, a Fremen man, but then they turned um, Kynes into a lady, and that was about it. That was the only difference I saw. Otherwise, everything was almost like extremely mm-hmm. accurate to the book. And I really like that. So if you don't like doing the movie, I'm assuming you're not going to like the book either. Maybe you like the book. I, don't I know. just didn't get around to seeing it. I. It was Listen. huge. How did you not? It was like everywhere. I thought you of all people would see the it's Doom got movie. Timothy Chalamet, you, you, Zendaya. You do library Oscar things. Isaac. I do library things. That's that's true. It was based on a book. It's a book movie. <laughs> book movie. I.e. It's one of the better book movies because it yeah. stays true to the book and it, like, respects it. I will make it my mission to watch Dune. I have a whole weekend ahead of me. You better. <laughs> it's really slow, though. I'm going to be real with you. At the very beginning, is slow, and then it gets faster paced as it goes on. But unless you're dedicated to it, what are you looking at? If I don't know. If you're not dedicated to it, it's not going to be as enjoyable. Like, you have to try to immerse yourself in the story, okay. like, a lot. And That's it's about all I long. Isn't it, it is, three hours? It's a, just verging three hours, I think. It didn't feel like it, though. When it I was not. in the theater, it got done, and I was like, that did not feel like three It felt hours. like an hour and a half max. It still had some length to it, but it was definitely not feeling like three hours. Because there wasn't any filler in it. It's all story. Mm-mm. All story. Which is really nice. Also, they added a couple story bits. I noticed that, too. They stayed true to the book, but like that part where he was talking to his dad. This mm-hmm. is really early on, so you're not missing anything. He was talking to his dad on, uh, I forgot what the original planet was called, or not Arrakis, because that's Dune, but the one before it, that planet House Atreides, I forgot what it was. Anyway, when he was talking to his dad, that did not happen in the book. He never, you know, went out onto a cliff ledge and started having a conversation with Pops. He doesn't do that in the book? No. Yeah, but that's it. They just did that to add more Oscar Isaac scenes. Yeah, in the actual Dune book, <laughs> he like he doesn't talk to his dad as much until he gets onto Arrakis because that's when he has to pick up the duties. Mm. But you know, that's a little bit later. In. It's probably about twenty minutes in that he talks to his dad. That's about it. That's my two bits. I really like that. I know people that fell asleep though. People fell asleep. Yeah. Oh no! One of my friends did. He was like, I got so tired of it, and then we kind of bullied him because he really liked the 
big movies that suck, but they're just <laughs> filled with action and no story. Like those kind of dumb teen ones where it's like, hey, kids, stop looking at your phones for about 10 minutes and watch this action-packed film about nothing. That's his type of deal. Besides the point. That actually <laughs> describes a lot of the Marvel films that came out this year. Uh, that I was about to talk about that, too. I don't Which like one? the Marvel films. Mm-mm. Like, both Thor and Doctor Strange miss the mark, I think. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's no joy in these movies anymore. It's just, it's, uh, they're boring, and they, I think they lack heart, and I feel like it's, you know it's going to be okay. Like, you know it's going to be fine. Even when things were not fine, you knew that they would be yeah. fine. That kind of sucks. I think when they remove that element of are they going to lose actually being a possibility kind of defeats some of the storyline. But I also think that a lot of movies are doing that now. Like there hasn't been a good movie in a long time where they're like, oh, wait, maybe this isn't going to work out like I thought. It's almost like they're patronizing the audience because they're just like, well, they like the other cookie cutter versions. We'll just do it again. Yeah, I think... um well, and I think that you have so many people who come from come to these movies depending on like how invested you were as a young person in like the comic books, and then those people aren't happy. And then so I, I do think that there's a lot of different um, audiences that the film runners are like contesting with and to. But I think that we've kind of lost the heart of, of these stories and the storytelling and everything is so big and so grandiose and you've got so many television shows that it's it's too much and there's no joy and I think that having to like keep up with everything to feel like you're in invested in this huge cultural thing which I actually don't think is as big as we all think it is I think it's told us that it's a big deal but I don't think I don't think that they are I don't think they'll have any lasting Except for, um, I think the only exception to that is the um, new one, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I thought that was an amazing movie. I thought it was great. I felt very sad. Like, the whole movie just made me very sad. And I think that's... I think that that's really brave, and that's going back to what, what we're talking about, is telling real stories that feel real. But as I walked out of there, I... I thought, oh, this is really great. It wasn't joyous like the first movie was joyous, but it was a really needed. Um, I, I don't know what you would call it because it it's a beginning and it's an end, and it's a part of this this whole universe. But it didn't feel like it fit in with any of the other films that we've seen come out of Marvel in the last year or so. For sure. I I haven't watched that, but I probably will now. Listen, I don't watch movies, all right? It's okay. That's okay. But with that, with you saying that, I actually kind of want to now. I think we're moving away from, like you said, you know, the older stuff. And I really like how older stuff paces their storytelling. One of the most famous movies, you know, The Godfather. I watched that with my dad, and it was one of the most amazing movies I have ever watched. If you want to talk about being accurate to the book, that's that. But on top of it, the pacing of it is just, it's pristine. There is moments where it feels like you're almost taking a break in a play, where you're just sitting there anticipating what's going to happen next. 
And then when it comes back up, you're entirely engaged. And I think we're running out of that pacing movement where it's like everybody wants to have one story packed into one thing constantly, you know, draining the life out of it until it gives them their uh, end product. Do you think filmmakers underestimate audiences? Yes. I think they do because of that fact of pacing. Because if they if they really wanted to think about how they're going to make movies, I think that they would tell these stories differently. When, and it's not like they're on, you know what? No, it's not, un, I retract my statement. It's not underestimating audiences. It's playing into what is popular now. It's not that they're like, oh, these guys will do anything. They will do anything. That's the problem. Audiences are so used to seeing constant action movies like you said with the Avengers, they all all they want is now just you know, kicking butts inside the story. Cool, you know, an hour and a half of that isn't that enjoyable, but people find it enjoyable. It's almost like they're just turning their minds off just to mindlessly watch something for about an hour and a half, versus like engaging themselves in a story. And I think we're moving away from that, and it's less of the underestimating but now they're just prioritizing that type of person instead well there's also the phenomenon of like this has been seen on tiktok with american psycho becoming popular again a lot Mm -hmm. of people misunderstand the meaning of a film like with a story like american psycho there's like a deeper meaning to Mm -hmm. it and a lot of people only really saw the surface level or like different like misinterpreting a character or something patrick bateman is not a cool person Mm. he's a loser Mm. that's the point of the movie but i think a lot of people don't really look deeper anymore where do you think that stems from social media i think that's what it is because now you know i know it sounds like an old person phones, but like that's an actual problem as much of a you know okay boomer type of thing you can say to that it's an actual problem People are constantly trying to just, like, invest their time into meaningless uh, media because they've just been kind of almost bred to do that now. You give a kid an iPad at the start of their, like, formative years, and then they turn into one of those kids that can't stop fidgeting, that can't put down their iPhone during class instead of incorporating themselves into the classroom. They're trying to sneak a pic onto their Snapchat or they're trying to look at stuff on Snapchat, they're trying to look at Instagram, they're playing games on their phones. You look at any of the kids inside of our classrooms now, most of them are playing games because they're just so disorganized with their thoughts that they just don't want to pay attention to stuff anymore unless it's constant information being drowned into their heads. I think that's really backed up by like dopamine release because every Mm -hmm. time you look at your phone, you get like a rush of dopamine. And especially with, like, shortening of attention spans on TikTok now, you're constantly getting that rush of dopamine. So I don't think people really appreciate films anymore because it used to be, like, a let's go to the movie and have fun Mm -hmm. and see this film, and then you get that, like, psychological effect. But now it's, like, all the time. And I also think, kind of going back to you guys talking about the movie theater, if we think about, like, the movies and, like, the Great Depression era, movies were still accessible to people during the Great Depression because it was that escape into the world but now um we've seen that that's kind of shifted away from being something that anybody can invest in you looked like you You wanted to say something this is so good because (laughs) as i was listening to you it's like 
you're so inundated with these fantastical ideas of what society looks like on social media. Like you're constantly seeing people who have super nice houses that are super clean or they're living a life that's only like a fraction of what they're actually living and that's why depression is super high. But that's kind of what movies were like in the past. It's going into kind of a fantastical, surreal world that you could almost never experience. And it's like maybe the reason you guys find it challenging to you know, sit and watch a movie for three hours is because you're constantly watching essentially movie-level fantasies on a second-to-second -second basis. And it's like, no, I want to see something else that's a different way of living. I don't know. No, that you're 100 percent right, but I think it's a mixture of both that because yeah. you know before you wanted to get fantasticalized or whatever, you go to a movie <laughs> theater and you're like, oh, this is really cool. I, I've never seen ideas like this. Kids go to space. What? They're going to space. Star Wars blew people's minds. If they release Star Wars now, it would just be like any other movie that has been created because of the fact that, like you said, we've been fed this so much. Well, I mean, Star Wars was created by George Lucas because he felt like kids didn't have a lore, you know? And I think that maybe there's something to that, that now right. we have so much lore. I mean, there are so many different ways that we explore storytelling. Um, I mean, if we think about 1977 when Star Wars first came out, I love Star Wars so much, so you can stop me talking at any point. Um, you know, it's just coming off of, like, the Chronicles of Narnia and The Hobbit, and there are all these things that these kids' parents grew up with. And George Lucas, whatever you have to say about him, he did have this really deep understanding that children needed stories to attach themselves to. They needed to find themselves there, and they needed lore to believe in. And it was kind of a loreless world. There were, really wasn't a lot going on in the 70s as far as um, the kind of story that Star Wars is, which... That's a whole other thing. But I think because because we are so inundated with storytelling, which I don't think is bad by any means, a, a film at the same level of Star Wars could absolutely fall. Fall on deaf ears, 100%. Yeah. But then I think there's a it's that and also the fact that people, not they're not trying to fantasize, but like... For instance, when you hang out with your friends, you guys have a good time because you're enjoying like this experience. You get a fun experience. Most of the time, I'm hanging out with my buddies and we're having a fun time doing whatever we're doing. With a phone in your hand that can give you access to just laughter constantly, it demeans it by a lot. You used to have to go out, wait till the very end of it to hang out with your friends at like the end of the school day. Hey, Mark, Friday, do you want to come over to my house and we can build Lego sets or something? Now, you don't need that. You don't need people like that anymore. You can, people do, but even when they're with their, quote, friends, they're sitting on their phones or they're just doing something to mind, they keep themselves uh, at hand. It's like, it's like they're removing the human parts of themselves from them phones just because of the fact that they need something to keep themselves uh, awake almost. And I think that's the other big part of it, whether it be fantasizing, you know, someone on Instagram or Snapchat. It's also you just trying to get a dopamine boost, like Evelyn said before, but in a different fashion. 
I like how we've managed to combine the original podcast idea of philosophy with yeah, top. Yeah, listen. Philosophy is in every single aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. The whole reason we're debating whether which movies are good or not is because of philosophy. Obviously, we all think about something. I don't like Harry Potter. You do. And that means that our philosophies are different on some sort of level. And that's just kind of how it is. I mean, you know, I still want to go to that one because I think old-time philosophers have a lot of goofy stuff to say and also stuff that means something still. But otherwise, it's kind of just integrating everything. Should we move on to music then on this role? No, I wanted to talk about Top Gun 2. Yes. Okay, that's true. We'll put a pause on the the moving. Top Gun 2, let's hear it. So I, my dad worked at a movie theater growing up and he watched the original Top Gun movie like maybe 30 times because he would just be the one sitting up there and doing the, so he made me watch Top Gun like a million times and it was always on in like my grandma's house on like the channel or something whenever I went. So I watched Top Gun the second it came out, the new one, Top Gun Maverick, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever because even if you hate Tom Cruise, he's a little weird. He's five foot nine. Um, hey, no. <laughs> like, don't think that the issues are really with his height. I think that's he, actually very average, okay? <laughs> he plays a good Maverick, and I think it was really big nostalgic value for me. Oh, absolutely. But they killed Iceman. I didn't know that. Well, why didn't why it's been out for like two months? How have you That's not, not seen that it? Long. <laughs> That's like something you'd say when it's been out for a year or something. Yikes! Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Yikes! Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> so I okay. Bob mm-hmm. from Top Gun Two is from Lamore, California, which is where I graduated high school. And so when I saw it, I I felt like a, a rush of like <laughs> representation. Yeah, Represent. Represent from California as if there's not enough representation yeah, there's a from whole lot California. Of representation. There isn't. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I really like the new Top Gun movie. I don't know why I watched it so many times, but I thought it was really cool. Now we can move on. I've said my two cents. It's true. Yes. Can I ask you? Okay, so no. as like a real <laughs> Top Gun fan, like, did it feel? Because I felt like it was similar to the first one. You mm-hmm. kind of had like a passing the torch. And you were saying something interesting earlier about how um, how Top Gun really kind of, I mean, you saw a lot of like enlistment and, mm-hmm. or attempted enlistment after the military propaganda. Yeah. It's military propaganda. They had to pay a lot of money to use those fighter jets, especially in the intro. There's just like a minute long scene of like a Navy like, craft on the water with like planes flying Mm -hmm. in and whatever they had to pay a lot of money to use those so they tried not to too much i'm pretty sure the enlistment rates went like skyrocketing after that i wonder how many are still in there it worked it was good military propaganda it worked on me i thought it was really cool you know what i got the papers i went to the i went to the center and they almost got me those guys (laughs) almost tripped null they did film a lot of that in in Lemoore, where I was from, so nice. all of these people that I knew from many, many years ago, like almost all of them, all of my classmates who stuck around, stuck around still, they have selfies with Tom Cruise. Like, mm. so there's that. Where's your selfie? 
<laughs> it's okay. You don't need it. He's a weird person. I would pay $5 to not have a picture with him. That's probably also, a better idea. Also, the thing that made Top Gun popular with non-normal like normal viewers was that Miles Teller scene where he's on the beach with his mustache and he's like dancing. I love Miles Teller because he was in Whiplash and he did really good in Whiplash. But I just thought that was funny the way the movie got popular on TikTok was just that one scene. I want to watch the movie now. Um <laughs> Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, should we segue then into music? Yeah. How do you guys feel about that? Good? Good. Okay. <laughs> Top stream artists from Spotify. Now, I looked at this briefly earlier, and this is some hot, stanky garbage. I don't mm. like any of these people. Top five. Top five. You want to? I'll write it down. You, you can read it. We got Bad Bunny is number one. I hate him. Number oh. two, Taylor Swift. Three Drake, four The Weekend, and five BTS. Um, Andre showed me Bad Bunny once instead of art class. He gave me his AirPod to listen to him. It is hot garbage. I do not like Bad Bunny. It's like everybody else except he's got like a Latino swagger. I guess that's about <laughs> his only trademark. That's about, that's all it is. Yeah. His whole personality is supposed to be that guy that's like suave. And, you know, he's making all this really nice music for to entrance these women. But it sucks. And I, I guess, you know, some people enjoy it. Obviously, Andre likes it, but I don't. I do not like it at all. What do you, have you guys ever even heard Bad Bunny before? I listen to old people music. Me as well. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Quinn? What are your guys' top five songs? Songs? Oh, I can pull no. it out right now. Yeah. Oh Mine's old. No. I'm gonna be I'd real. I'd much rather know, like to know that than okay, like Spotify yeah. Wrapped. I don't really know my music though. Like I hate to say what? that, but like literally, like I what my top five songs are not known. Part of this known. is like you're also telling people that you like this, so maybe they should try it. Okay. That's true. Okay, I'm gonna be real with you. A lot of the stuff I listen to is old rap. I listen to a lot of old stuff from the rapper. Like, um... Like 90s? Ni I think 80s, 90s. So, like, talk rapping? Like, Will Smith? No. Oh. That, no, no, thank you. Like That's uh, not in your top five? Are you kidding? Actually, no, it is not. <laughs> my top, my number one is MF Doom. I like, Ooh. I love his rhyme scheme so much, and I still think he's probably the best rapper to come out he's so far. so good. I love, I love every him. all of my top five song, songs are um, his, mm -hmm. so that's my number one. Uh, I got Tyler the Creator on the second one because I like him too. He has the same type of vibe as uh, MF Doom. It's mm -hmm. a little bit different because he strays away from rhyme or you know rapping, but I like his kind of softer R and B type stuff that's in there too, and I really enjoy that. Um, the other two are just the creators, or not creators, the what is it called? Producers of MF Doom. Mm. So those two are also in there. My fourth is Steely Dan, though. <laughs> I love Steely Dan so much for some reason. I like a lot of that old stuff. Like, you know, obviously that's a little bit older than MF Doom's era. But um, like Jimi Hendrix, I'm so, kind of surprised he's not on there. I listen to a lot of him. Um, King Crimson, I got into. He was really, uh, or not he, they were really uh, enjoyable to listen to. Steely Dan, um, Pink Floyd, a lot of that older stuff. That was my top five. I mean, it didn't say it, but it was on there. Just trust. Okay, I trust. 
<clears throat> I'm one of those people who I don't think my Spotify wrapped is actually right because I don't remember listening to certain songs that much. But my top two artists are country singers. You got Zach Bryan in at number one and Coulter Wallen at number two. They're kind of like blues country. They're not really like pop radio country. Okay, that's good. I can get um, down with that. And then <laughs> I have my next two artists are like sad indie. You got Mitski and then Phoebe Bridgers. I haven't heard of either of those. That's all right. And then Tyler the Creator is my fifth. Yeah. Um, he when he released his uh, album, was it this year or last year? I last feel like year. last year. Okay, I thought it was the early start of this year. Mm. That one brought like a lot of people and Igor. I think Igor people started flocking to a lot later. Igor is my favorite album. Igor's good. That one's probably his uh, best out of so far out of them so far. Unless you like his rap era, then I think you probably like the other stuff that was like before. Like Flower Boy, stuff like that. Yep. Miss yeah. Emily, let's hear your stuff, huh? Uh, let, let's look. I know that my top artist was the Taylor Abbott Swift. Brothers. Taylor <laughs> Swift, you love her so much. I, uh, Taylor Swift was actually in my top five most played songs of the year. What? <laughs> That's got to be bad. <laughs> I had two Kanye songs in my top played songs. Listen, and okay. I don't listen to Kanye. Kanye a lot. dropped off the edge, and that was because he's a psychopath. Now, mm. his music does not reflect this. In mm. fact, it reflects the exact opposite. I think that he puts out his best like self for music to describe what he's been through, you know, without all this crazy talk. But then the second he gets off of it, he just like doesn't know how to articulate himself, so he starts saying anti-Semitic things, and that's probably not good. Probably not. No. Probably not. Uh, At least for him. Let's see. I have the Avett Brothers, Teddy Swims, Lake Street Dive, Shania Twain, and uh, Nathaniel <laughs> Retliff in the Night Sweats. Mm. Mm, the Night Sweats. Never heard of any of those. Yeah, yeah me neither. Shania Twain. There's a great like documentary Twain? about her on Netflix. Should I watch it? You should. <laughs> no. She's an icon. <laughs> she, oh, she's not that much of an icon. I didn't hear about her. <laughs> Very upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> what type of music does she make? Country. Yeah. Country okay. pop. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm not a big fan of pop country. I yeah, I can enjoy the uh, country Shania blues. Shania like Twain you said, is an icon. Oh, that's even worse. Right before Stadium I don't like that even more. Man, I feel like a woman. Classic. Everybody loves it. Not everybody. everybody. Kyle, everybody. Not everybody. I know somebody that doesn't like that song. <laughs> Is it you? You bet. No. <laughs> How do you know if you don't like it? I'm assuming I won't. It might not be true, but I'm pretty sure it won't be one of my favorites or liked at all. It's going to be your number one next year. <laughs> my That'll favorite thing that happened this year is when Nirvana got really popular. After, because of Stranger Things. No, after oh, Batman. Excuse me, what? And then it was oh. all the, all the Metallica after yeah. Stranger Things. But, yeah. Yeah. Kate yep. Bush. Kate Bush. And then... Um, it was Steve Lacey had a really popular song. Oh and then my he got god! Super I feel so bad for that dude. He's like on stage and like people are like screaming at him. Like, can you? It was something like, can you say hi to my mom? And he's like, can you shut the 
up and then started singing again. It was so funny. It's I feel bad for him because there's that one video of him trying to get the audience to sing along to his songs and they all all the the only one that they knew was like the I wish I knew that one. I don't yeah. really know his songs that well. But I saw a video of that and everybody was just dead silent while he's like, okay, guys, sing it. And he sticks the mic out and no one's saying anything at all because they don't know the lyrics. It was just a bunch of TikTok girls that were like, I, I like the five-second bit. What is this? <laughs> no, you got to feel bad for the man. I do. I feel bad. They did my boy wrong. A music trend that's going to happen that happens every year. Uh, Mariah Carey, oh, All God. I Want for Christmas. I'm going to be playing like Warzone and someone's going to be blasting that in the microphone. <laughs> That's Someone. it's every year, just everywhere. Like you could even be walking down Lake Geneva and someone's blasting Mariah Carey through their shop windows. I just think we need another original cr Christmas song. They can't you know? make new ones though. That's Why? the problem. We need Why? to. Why? Because the current lineup we got can't make music in general. <laughs> no, I think some of them are talented, but a lot of it I don't like. And that kind of reflects in the capabilities of Christmas music. The old stuff is good because it sounds like the old stuff that it was made in. Mm. Yeah, like what song, like what's your go-to Christmas song? Like the one that you hear and it just like... I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. Or war is over. Yeah. Ooh. That's, 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 that one gives that's me chills. That's probably I my like favorite Christmas song. But they can't replicate that anymore. Did you hear, I forgot what her name was, but someone, one of the new um, singers was trying to say all or sing All I Want for Christmas. Uh, Camila Cabello. Yeah. And she's pronouncing yeah, it. Yeah, but she said, uh, yeah, she was like, Christmas. She pronounced Christmas as Christmas. Yeah. Because it was just her trying to pronounce it, you know, not bashing her, but when you're trying to make a Christmas song, say the word right. Come on now. And, like, I watched the old Grinch, like, the, the mm, old Grinch. The like old, old one. Old, the old cartoon. One. No. Yes. <laughs> and it's so much better than, like, the new one that's, like, the 3D animated one. I don't know what it is. It's, like, older Christmas stuff is just so much better. Yeah. Than it's got that Christmas charm. Stuff. The new stuff feels like it's trying to replicate it, and mm -hmm. you know that it's trying to replicate it, and you're like, this is not good. It sucks. It does suck. sucks very bad. I don't like it. We should probably get back to the music part because we went over that. We when then we got hung up on Bad Bunny and how <laughs> I think you music. got hung up on Bad Bunny. No, oh, excuse me. Well, this is a group podcast, so <laughs> no, hundred percent. I I uh, took that one for a ride. Anyway, we'll get back to that number three, Drake. <laughs> we'll jump right into Drake. it. I think Drake's on the same level. And we don't have to go over this. I we don't. I no. Don't no, nope. I don't. Okay. Yeah. True. Okay. Well, most stream songs, eh, whatever. Who cares? Those are also by the same people, and I don't really care about them. Two are from Bad Bunny. I think that's why you're skipping over this one. Are they? Yeah. The last two. Oh, yeah. Look at that. You know why they're the last two? Because they're the it worst. Bad Bunny, the and it's five. the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's Heat Waves. Everybody loves mm, that song. Mm, I, summertime. I love Glass Animals. I've been a big fan of Glass Animals for a long time, and then that came, came out. out, and everybody and thought, everyone. wow, these guys are cool. And then I'm pretty sure they listened to the rest of their music and dropped off. Mm -hmm. I listened, I got into them a while ago, too. Glass Animals and Alt-J, mm -hmm. that type of stuff. I like those guys. Alt-J. Alt-J Alt -J is good. Immaculate. But, you know, the, the brainlets came out and took all the good music away. Yeah. So now music we're stuck peaked with, with Other Animals. Side of Paradise. Yeah. 
lot of good None stuff. Of and then it all got taken. Like breeze blocks by all J. That one got ripped from our feet because everybody was using that for TikTok sounds. That one was really annoying. They were like mashing just a bunch of different songs with all J songs because they go with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that one kind of ruined it too. It's not, it almost feels like dirty to like these people now because of all the <laughs> brainlets that like the music strictly for that one song. You have to be like, I'm not like those other people. And then it makes you sound like the other people because they go, what, what's your favorite song? And you go, you know, Heat Waves, that's my favorite. And then you're just like the rest of them to them. But it's not. It's just annoying. I don't know. Music is a very deep thing for a lot of people. And I think that it's starting this way, like movies into just mindless sound and the stories are still there because people use music to convey a story. But now, you know, we're just listening to, or not we, some people are still listening to it just for the sounds that are, you know, coming out. Which isn't wrong. You know, you can do that all you want, but if the artist is making all this music with such a deep meaning, it almost feels like a waste to just kind of throw it away. Yeah, I keep, <laughs> you said that it made me think about um, Louis Capaldi, who's got a new song coming out and he's trying to make it blow up on TikTok and like his videos just keep getting more and more insane as he's like, please just <laughs> use the sound. Like, I hate this. That's... And I think that there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of that instant social media pressure coming mm-hmm. from all sides and it's not i think that maybe there is a little bit of joy that's being stolen from oh yeah 100%. the artists themselves because of the onslaught of there's a lot of problems with the music now i mean that's why kanye made a stupid little midi player because he wanted to break out his own music before he turned into you know uh neo kanye he wanted to you know put his music that he was making out onto his own platform so that he wasn't getting robbed Music today is branching a lot away from, you know, oh, this wonderful sound that makes people feel inspired. I kicked the table. People inspired and feel something. It's starting to get shifted into what's the most catchy beat you can create and remove all meaning almost. But, you know, I don't think that's new. I think that that is music creation from, like, the very beginning of the music industry. Well, sure, but the amount of people that are looking for that now has grown like exponentially of course you know there's been always people that are just trying to make uh sounds that people enjoy that's just kind of how it happens and you're right about that but i think now because of the fact that the audience is known to just kind of be chicken brain people that want to listen to sounds they're gonna start making more things that are tuned to that to make money if they're getting robs of all their music you know why not try to just make as much money as you can before you get completely robbed out of all of it. I think that's a, I think that's a long old story. Like I, I think if we look back at like how, what I, I, you know, if you look at the music industry and the times that people were making music who weren't particularly privileged because of skin color or whatever, I think that there has always been, this uh, greed that is at the center of making music. And I think that artists, and most artists, I think at the end of the day, I don't think that they they necessarily make what they're worth. I mean, but then you also have the onslaught, and I think this is your point, you have the onslaught of social media, which makes 
makes it so much bigger than it probably should be because of of how fast everything comes now. Mm-hmm. Um, that those who don't have that same access or aren't as like catchy or they're not getting the same. Um, and yeah, that's about what I was trying to say. Just, you know, on a lot of people getting mindless and that kind of takes away from a lot of things I think in our life now, including, ooh, next one, television. If you guys are okay with swapping, do you want to keep going with music or? I mean, you gave us the categories on the email. It was like video games. Yeah, books. this like mm. literally, I just threw this together. You guys talk about anything. Right, I I'm just, gonna stray away. Yeah, How about, that can I'm go a, away. I'm putting down the PC here. <laughs> There's a couple things I like video games a lot. Obviously, you know, we're in the esports room, and I'm in here a good good portion of the week when I want to be, and. I think that that's starting to actually it's not changing it's almost getting reaffirmed from what it used to be like a lot of these games are coming out and a good deal of them are just really good like Red Dead Redemption 2 that was a that good was one. a little bit older I'm gonna give, I'll, um, I'll admit that that's about 2018 but the stream of games coming out like that has been relatively similar, I feel. feel. I got a list of games that came out in 2022 that I think are really good. Go for so it. So you got God of War, mm. The Last of Us 1. Okay, the, yeah. The, re, like the redone The version. remake, the remaster. Okay. Elden Ring, Modern Ooh. Warfare 2, okay, Overwatch well. 2, and Goat Simulator 3. Oh, that last one's a kicker. That I one, know. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make that game of the year. Yep. I think that those are all, we had a lot of good stuff coming out, and I think people are filling a lot of the gaps that we've tried to, you know, keep up the whole time. It's like, you know, Goat Simulator's mindless fun, and everybody likes those type of games that just kind of actually are brainless, you know, apart from just constant social media stuff that we talked about. You know, you can have some fun with that type of stuff. But then you also have more in-depth story games like God of War, Ragnarok came out this year, and that one was amazing. I have watched playthroughs because I am not uh, on PS4, but I wanted to see the game, and I watched full playthroughs of it, and it is amazing. I can't experience it, sadly, but, you know, from what I've seen, it looked so good, and I loved the storytelling behind it, too. And, you know, this stayed relatively true to some... Or, uh, most Norse mythology, there's some discrepancies, but that's okay. You know, when you do something like that, and as well as you do it, you can have a little bit of work in a room. Mm-hmm. But that's good. That was really good. I feel like that was um, not on level of Red Dead 2, but it was on uh, one of them higher levels for storytelling. A lot I of I think like Last of Us is one of the best Last storytelling of us is games so good too. ever. I love The Last of Us, like whole series. I played. The first one, I don't remember much about it because that one I was just trying to get through. Mm. It wasn't bad, and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I just, I, I don't know why I didn't want the, I didn't, I don't know what it was. I just didn't experience it. Mm. That's a better way to put it. It's one of them games I was just getting through because I was bored, which is not, you know, it can be those type of uh, points, but mm-hmm. generally for that type of game, you want to get into it. You want to delve into it. That was good one from what I remember. Yeah. It's like a different take on the zombie apocalypse while also being a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. That one's fun. Um, earlier this year, a DLC came out for one of my favorite games, Blasphemous. Mm. 
it's that same type of uh, Elden Ring um, scheme where it's a rogue type of um, platformer. It was 2D this time, though. It wasn't 3D. I love that game so much, and I feel very similar vibes to Elden Ring. You know, obviously Elden Ring's going to be a little bit better. The story was a bit bigger. But I think we're constantly churning out good stuff. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of also really dumb garbage that someone pulls out. But for the most part, the game producers are bringing their A-game for a lot of this stuff, except Ubisoft. I think God of War was about the only thing that they did pretty decently, and I'm pretty sure it was Ubisoft, yeah? God of War? That was good. Everything else they've done this year is just kind of a cash grab garbage scheme. They, uh, they're not doing so hot anymore. Like all their Assassin's Creeds are starting to drop off too. I loved Assassin's Creed. The newer one is just. Not all good. the new ones are kind of dumpy. I played Odyssey. What, what do you think, Mr. Quinn? You had a face you made there. I loved Valhalla. I thought Valhalla. Yeah, Valhalla. you would love like Valhalla. Valhalla. Did a really great job um, of changing mm. the control scheme and going away from what it was because it was very clunky to begin with. I liked the clunky controls. Oh. That's what made it such a good game for me, is I failed half the time. Oh, no. I played <laughs> some of the first ones. Is it? How similar is it to Odyssey and uh, Beginnings? Or not Beginnings. I forgot what it was. Um, Origins. Origins. Because uh, Valhalla is the newest one, right? Yeah, I haven't played Valhalla yet. I think Origins has... Because Odyssey has the old play scheme. Yeah. And I I couldn't play that. I bought like the bundle and I just, I couldn't handle that after playing all of Valhalla with the new. I was fine with it. I don't mind it. Oh, I don't know about Origins if that's the new or the old one, but. Origins. What did you like about the Valhalla scheme? Was it just faster, or? Um, it. More responsive, almost. It was more intuitive, just because. That's just the way games in general are going in that yeah. way of control. Um, it's very much more like a. Oh, I'm trying to remember what. You mean you don't have to fail to like grab onto a cliff for like four times before it actually happens? Well, I I felt like the parrying scheme was a lot easier to figure out. Like part of the part of the old Assassin's Creed was just constantly just dying. Yeah. Because you missed your parry by half a second. And God dang it. We'll get better. A game like, <laughs> a game like that, um, where parrying is such a huge part of it. Gotta do it right. But but if you just do it right, it kind of breaks it, and then it goes, okay, now this is just a game where you're just thinking about time. And it's like, okay, I'm looking at the mechanics of the game rather than enjoying the story of the game. Mm-hmm. That actually ties into another game I really like that's kind of similar to Blasphemous. It came out this year. It was called uh, Katana Zero. Mm. That one came out in the early 2022. That one was an 8-bit game. But the whole premise was that you're like a time god with a katana fighting off Yakuza members. And that one was so fun. And it wasn't just that. There was a lot of deeper story that had to do with like um, nations having wars against each other. But the main premise was that it was based on timing like that. But that was one of my favorites. I completely forgot about that game. That was, I. they're coming out with a DLC eventually. They said probably like late 2023, I think. It was so fun. I played that game twice, and that's about the only game that I've played twice. 
that one was just the storytelling behind it was really good. I really, really enjoyed the story because of the fact that the, the way they told it was or told it at the end of every mission, you would go into a psychiatrist that would give you medication for your um, mental disorder, they said. And you were a war veteran that came back from a war that used super soldiers. And every single time you'd go to the psychiatrist, he would tell you slowly more and more pieces of your life, basically, having you try to remember them. And then you'd go into the next mission, and it would somehow tie in with your past. And then you'd go back into the psychiatrist, and it would unfold really slowly. And it wasn't that long of a game. But the story and the way it was told was so enjoyable that that's probably one of my favorites. I like that one a lot. That sounds like a cool one. That was, it was really cool. It was difficult, though. It had like a two-star rating because of everybody crying about how difficult it was. That <laughs> was all it good. was. That That's what it was. Everybody that was rating it like one to two stars was because it was like very difficult to play. Yes? But Elven Ring is similar. Yes. But it does it in a way that's incredibly more enjoyable. This one wasn't that. It's not that. This one was not more unenjoyable. I'm, more, I'm jump, jumping back to like the Assassin's Creed. Of it, oh, I feel you. Yeah. I think. I think the. Um, oh, I'm blanking on what they call them. Um, Dark Souls type games. Yeah, the Rogues. Soulsborne games. Yeah. Um, are, are like the best way of doing that. Like you have to parry, or like you have to be very strategic of it. Um. I did find it interesting that the list you gave, it was all, except for Elden Ring, it was all, which could be considered a sequel, it was all sequels and remakes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's um, been, yeah. yeah, they're trying to scrape those back up. Modern a lot Warfare of 2. Modern Warfare 2. That's kind of a cash grab. Of that was a pretty big cash grab. There, a lot of people don't like that one. I liked it. I played it this weekend. I, I thought it was okay. How long have you played it for, though? Not long. That's why. <laughs> the longer you play it, the more annoying it gets. Because, okay, so I have a friend that, like, not diehard, but he's played all of the games, including the Xbox original games oh. of Call of Duty, like World at War, all the old ones. And he played the new one and the old one, and he was a little annoyed that the new story doesn't tie into anything of the old one, like at all. And I could understand that because the old one had a pretty fun story. That one was cool. But then they just kind of removed it completely. M uh, World, no, not World War. Modern Warfare 1 kept on with the original storyline because it was technically, what, a prequel, I believe? Yeah. Because everybody was still alive. Mm. Modern Warfare 2, though, branched off and changed the direction completely, which he did not like, and I think a lot of people that are story-based would uh, agree with that. Yes? What? Oh, you're just in no, deep just thought. Thinking, was there a remake of the original Modern Warfare 1 yeah. 2 that came out recently? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah, no, that was the... Well, are you talking remake or remaster? Because they made a remaster of Modern Warfare 2 a while ago, but they made another remake, which is the current one. But is there... So Modern Warfare 1, did they remake that? They remade that. Okay. That or, The story was still linear with the old one. Okay. But it took the prequel standard and kind of changed it a little bit. Gotcha. Okay. Except I, the new one is completely different. Yeah. The only reason I like the new one is because I play online with my friends, and it's like... We're going back to when we were in college and we would just sit 
till like three or four in the morning just playing. Uh, yeah, I understand that. It still has that nostalgia of everybody yelling at some little kid on the mic. So yes, which I think is the only reason they released it. And like, yeah, we know all of these old people now are probably getting a little bit of money and can buy new game systems so that they can play. Which yeah, makes sense. They got me pegged. And you know what? At, that's fine. I think it's still good, but the online kind of sucks. I'm agree with it's you. It's not fine for you guys who are who have no real attachment to the originals. Oh no, we do because oh, we, we get do. yelled at by older people because mm. we would go on the game <laughs> chat. Oh, so <laughs> and then you college kids would go in and go, yeah. "Shut up, squeaker, get off the mic!" and you'd yell cuss words at us, and we're like eight, <clears throat> and that's why we turned out this way, you monster. Yeah, let me tell you, it was worse being a female voice oh, yeah, in a no, Call of Duty lobby. That. I'd like, my brother had a console and I was, I'd always play Xbox 360 and I, he'd let me go on the mic a few times and I just. That was a mistake. That was a mistake. That was he a shouldn't have let you do crucial that. crucial part of my life. It's just getting screamed at. <laughs> Mr. Quinn, what do you have to say for yourself? Um, you good? <laughs> yeah, okay. Valid. So, there's still that. We, we got a little bit of it. Um, if the kids really wanted to, they could still remember the story too, which is why, you know, my, my boy, Chris, I might show him this. He, uh, he still likes it. So actually, no, he doesn't like it. That was the opposite. He likes the story, but he kind of dislikes the fact that it didn't stay original and also online sucks. So listen, if I'm going to be playing a game, cause I also played this at one point. I don't want to have some Dilbert sitting in the back of the map with some sniper rifle that he leveled up, and it's like golden camo or diamond, or he's got some sort of prestige on it, and he's camping there the whole game. Yeah, you're that kid, aren't you? So I I actively try and I'm the counter sniper. Mm. So like there was. I like you people. I haven't played. Um, I haven't played since they did the the. Um, open beta yeah and there was one level in the open beta where there was a water tower and people would climb up to the top of it and camp it so i would just sit at my spawn point and just kill them oh my god you're a saver you know that i would would sprint over i would climb up the water tower and throw a claymore down and then climb back i like people like mystic quinn in that game it's just hilarious because these kids just have no concept or maybe they're not actually kids maybe they're people my age who just want to I think it's people your age because the kids yeah. that are younger and trying to get good at the game are the ones that are running around with like no skill whatsoever. But that's half the fun. No, 100%. <laughs> Me and my friends would also just hop in one of the hop in one of the Jeeps and then just drive around and then the guy driving would just hit people. <laughs> yes. Just like Fortnite. That's like old Halo, the Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> not like the old Halo old Combat Halo. Evolved. No. What the heck? Why'd you bring up Fortnite? <laughs> oh, Fortnite's Oops. okay. That's kind of sucky. You guys don't like Fortnite? No. Wait, you like Fortnite? I think Fortnite... Is good. I think Fortnite has brought more people together than... We gotta get you a mic. I... What? Are they gonna be able to hear you? I think so. Yeah, they, they pick up... Uh, we picked up 2K. We can pick up Mr. Quinn. But I think Fortnite... Fortnite has brought, like, the largest span of people. Like, I hear people who are, like, 50 or 60 years old who were, like, playing old, old video games mm-hmm. into Fortnite and go, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. And I'm like, Yeah, there's what? that Fortnite grandma that plays on Twitch and she streams. She's, like, 60 and well, she plays Fortnite. And it's kind of...
She's of, good. It's kind of. Have you guys ever read the book Ready Player One or seen mm-hmm. the movie? I've seen the movie yeah. at least. It's kind of what the Oasis in the movie in that movie was supposed to be. Like it is kind of a community, mm-hmm. or, and I feel like it's not super toxic. What are you talking about? I don't think there's as much toxicity in Fortnite. And maybe it's because you can only communicate with the people in your immediate group that you kind of call or you, like, choose yourself. But it's not like you're just hearing... Because I think in Call of Duty, if you kill somebody, you can hear them yeah, you get hot for mics. a second. Yep. And then you just get wild, pro- wild profanity constantly. And it's like, you don't get that in Fortnite. Fortnite is like yeah, you Fortnite. Will, you will randomly find somebody, and then do a weird dance, and then they'll do a weird dance, and then you go off your. You haven't days. played in a long time, have I you? I play constantly. Let me tell you something. <laughs> the get the matches I get in are full of the soccer skins that do the stupid donkey laughing emote when they kill me, and then I actually—that's like the only time it's, I've gotten mad. It's the modern version of teabagging. I yeah, like. it's worse. <laughs> Because teabagging was like, okay, you know, you know, whatever. But that one's like, these kids bought like $10 worth of V-Bucks just so that they could dance on other people. Oh, it's not toxic. What are you talking about? I don't like the money portion of the game. Yeah. I don't like that you have to buy. Not You don't have to buy it. But, but you like, shouldn't. It's not like a battle to. pass type thing. Like you, you can't like work for game. something. Yeah. Well, you can. It you still can. sucks though. Because you have to buy it the first time. And if you don't want to, you can spend your V-Bucks. Or you could be a nerd and save them the whole season to buy it again. Which is what they say you can do. But no one does that. And that's the problem. That's what I do. Do um, you? Yeah. Um, you just call well, them a nerd. Yeah, well, good for you. <laughs> I, I have patience. I don't like wasting my money on that stuff. But the reason I like it is because it does... All of the like extra stuff they can get does not affect their skill level. They can buy That's levels true. all they want. They'll come into a match with me when I'm at level 50, and I will just cream them because they're children, and they they think that money equates to quality. <laughs> that is peculiar. And so it's, it is... I mean, sometimes they have those skins that come in the shop, like the Toy Soldier when it was the gray one, and then people could sit on rocks and it would look exactly the same because they used the same color and texture. Interesting. Yeah. Every now and then they'll drop one that looks like that. And... um. It actually is game changing yeah. because then it changes the game. Yeah, that is pretty. I I, I have never experienced something like that. I have. <laughs> so yeah, but I I've just I've heard a lot of feedback from maybe mainly older people, but it seems like the younger people like it as well. But maybe there's a group that's falling out with it that Fortnite is weird because it it like brings you together and kind of gives you. Gives you the ability to play with whatever skin you want. You mm-hmm. can be I Ainor from uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, or you can be Darth Vader or whatever. And there's there's it's That's just so goofy. You can be whatever you want, and then you can do a Fortnite dance as Darth Vader. All of the collaborations with these big companies in Fortnite is getting out of hand. <laughs> like I saw Goku fighting Darth Vader. And Ryu from Street Fighter. It's the biggest crossover ever. It's the biggest, yeah. That is what Ready Player One was. It's the Iron Giant and an Evangelion 
fighting Santa Claus or whatever. <laughs> I guess, but if I went to game chat, I would definitely get some kid to tell me to frig off, and then I would go back to the lobby because he hasn't got off the game in like 10 years. Yeah. He's been from baby to gamer. Do you just play the um, Battle Royales? Yeah. I mean, custom games kind of suck because I do it with, like, only my friends. And we I'm friends with Carson. And Carson is actually so crazy at that game that you can't do anything. So it depends on the people you play with and what you do. Yeah. I play with my cousin who's, like, slightly better at building with me. And it, or building than I am. I don't build at all. But I will occasionally just absolutely destroy him. He gets so mad. Oh, that's like, funny. I like doing so much better at this than you. I'm like, no, you're not. Strategy. That's when it's good. Okay. What else? So yeah, video books, games, books. books. What was your favorite book that you read this year? Mm, I haven't read any this year. Okay. I'm going to be real with you. Last year, though, if we can extend it, I was going wild. I read The Godfather, mm -hmm. The Godfather Returns, sucks, and Radix, which was such a fever dream of a book. I gave it to Alex, and I don't. he still hasn't read it, but I... Filled them in every day at study hall, and he was like, "What are you reading?" <laughs> that one was fun. Godfather last year was really good. Obviously, that one's just a classic, so everything about it's good to me. Godfather Returns sucks really badly. Um, the thing that makes me the most mad is that there's all these Washington Post reviewers, and they're like, "This new author has completely revitalized the Godfather series." And then they, excuse you, <laughs> and they don't. The, the new author sucks. So in the old Godfather, the thing that I liked was that it was like real mobsters. You know, they you couldn't be curt to each other at that time. If you said something that was out of line, you would be killed. This new guy didn't get that because he has these new characters. He has the old characters making threats to each other all the time. And it's like, if you did that back in the 60s, you know how fast you'd die? This guy doesn't understand anything. The whole point was that the original author, Mario Puzo, wanted to be as close to real life gangsters as he could. And he did it so shockingly well that the actual mafia, multiple families, related it as an actual like guide to how gangsters work. And then this Dilbert comes in and completely removes all of it. He breaks it down. He, he adds cuss words where there don't need to be. That's the most annoying thing. It's like a little kid that's trying to make big adults sound scary. So he adds in the F word and he's like, yeah, this one's going to get him. It doesn't. It, does, it adds nothing. The whole point of them being scary was that they could tell you they're going to kill you without telling you they're going to kill you. Like at one part in the book, um, this is a little bit earlier on. Uh, one of the main, one of the characters dies. It's a guard, and they bring in a fish that was wrapped in a bulletproof vest, wrapped in butcher's twine, and that was like without even reading the next line. I'm like, oh my! They killed him. Next line, they confirm it. But in the new book, they'd be like, I just got a call from the other family. They killed him. It's like what? That sucks. That's not fun at all. That, that, that leaves no mystery. There's no, like, there's no fear of the unknown inside of that. And he completely did not understand that. I forgot his name because of how, how unforgettable the original author was in comparison to him. But if you ever want to read it and you really enjoy the first one, I recommend not doing so. 
that is all for that one. Now, the next book <laughs> I read was Radix last year as well. Last year was a big reading year. Radix was so good as well. That story, I can't find Wikipedia articles about it. I can't find anything about it. I picked it up from your library. I was going to say, is that the one that you picked up at the book sale? That was the one I picked up from the book sale that had no reviews anywhere. I think Goodreads had like 50 people that have read it, apparently. And then the reviews for it were, you know, mixed. But it was so fun. With Frank Herbert, like I said, for Dune, the reason I liked him was because he was a psychotic old dude that would write these stories that were fantastic. The other dudes that made um, Radix, Adonosio, or something like that. I can't remember how to pronounce it because I don't know how to pronounce it in the first place. The way that he thinks is such a fever dream. There's a single web page about him, and it shows his working space. He has, like, an old 90s Macintosh computer on a bamboo, bamboo desk that's, like, the size of a school one in the middle of his room. That is in Hawaii. He lives in a hut in Hawaii. And he writes out... Yeah, a hut. He lives in like an actual shack out of Hawaii. And he writes his stories through there. Stop kicking me. And all of the things he's written is such a fever dream. The very start of it is that this kid's fat and he's born in a world... That's the main thing. They call him a fat tud. That is the description. A tud. Because he made his own vocabulary. He did the Frank Herbert thing where he makes his own words and he puts a compendium in the back to explain them. And a lot of them were fun. I don't he made some real weird things. And the start of it is the fat kid. His name is Sumner Kagan. I remember a lot of the story actually. He lost his father. I believe he died. And then his mom turned into a psychic because mental powers in the universe are a real thing in this story. The whole point is that it's a mix of sci-fi mixed with actual science fiction and, you know, fantastical ideas of matter forming around the psyche. And he has this fortune teller mom, basically. One part that I liked was that there was a homeless dude that was psychic and floated upstairs. He That was his whole thing. His name was Johnny DeMauro. And um, he would just sit at the top of the stairs, basically almost naked, and float around. And that was his whole premise, was just to introduce, you know, psychic powers. But then it went on this really deep story that had a lot of stuff I didn't fully grasp until later. Like, there's one there's one part in the book where apparently he gets kidnapped in the back of a box truck and gets sent out to a cabin in the middle of a desert with a space vampire that breeds with him to make an offspring that apparently becomes the most powerful thing in the universe, which they describe later. And it reverts right back to his normal place. I just like the book, mainly for storytelling. I really like books and anything that can tell a story really well. The characters were all fun. You know, not fun as in they had fun adventures, but fun as in, you know, they were correctly written for what you would think they would be doing. And I think the last of it was just the ideas. Like, I'm a big concept man, so if you have something that I think would be cool and you write something really cool about it, I enjoy that a lot. And that's my little synopsis of that book. I don't know how you guys have read throughout this year, and I guess we can extend it to last year like I did. 
Okay, I'll go. Um, most of the pressure. most of the reading I've done has been for English class, either for like required reading or like buy it or burn it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked Catcher in the Rye. I read it in like fifth grade, and I hated it. I hated Holden Caulfield. I thought he was really pretentious, even though I didn't know that word in fifth grade. I thought he was really pretentious. And then I reread it, and I'm like, this guy's just kind of goofy. He's, like, tap dancing. He just starts tap dancing randomly, and then there's a scene where he's, like, messing with his roommate. He, like, pulls his hat over his head, and he's like, who's turned off the light, mother dearest? Like, I think he's really funny. And I think it's a really accurate representation of mental health, especially in that time period. Like... It was set in the 50s, and it's just this, like, 17-year-old boy who goes, like, gallivanting through New York City for, like, three days. Um, And he's alone, and it's just... I really liked it a lot. A lot of people don't like it, and I can understand why it's kind of dated. kind of gets annoying after a while, but I really liked it. Sometimes those dated books are the better ones, though. Mm -hmm. I think the old authors really liked how they could... uh, I guess it wasn't even that. It was just, like, it was a different beat of people back then. You know, you would have your mainstream man or woman that would have their societal values that were instilled upon them from the young. And a lot of these authors were people that kind of went against the grain by a lot. And so, you know, they made these stories that are a lot more kind of played with emotions a little bit better than now. And I know some people can still do that now. You know, that's for anything. There will always be some outliers. But I guess old is gold with this type of thing. Mm. I like the old literature a lot. Even, like, really old stuff, too. I think we have more time to sit with it and more time for it to... um, I think it also is comforting because you're looking at this piece of, of fiction, this piece of art, whatever you have, and it... It resonates so true to today, and we've never done today before. And I think that there's a comfort in having this piece of fiction that relates to whatever we have going on in the world. And while it might not fix it, it at least is a handout. It like is a, a, a handout to say that this is not a new problem. Um, there are a lot of different factors. And and I, I think also going back to like the speed of the way that the world works right now, like today, um, and that is, you know, when you're reading something and they they mention, I, I don't know, maybe this doesn't freak you guys out, but I hate it when I'm reading something and it mentions like Facebook or yeah. or something yeah. or or tra- like um, uh, pandemic television, like oh. when they try, you know, when I they hate mentioned it. COVID like, in like mm. a show. Yeah, like I just I hate it when things that I'm reading or things that I'm I'm enjoying reference. It's like a crutch almost. Yeah, I. And I think that there is something to that, that it feels like that escapism in those older pieces of fiction that is probably a really true depiction or maybe an idealistic depiction of yesteryear, but it's still an escape from right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moral yeah, of the story, that. now sucks, older is better. Um, <laughs> older better. At least for this, books, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Anything that has to do with emotion and um, logic, I guess, for, you know, storytelling and such. That one, you know, old is gold, like I said before. That one, it really fits into that category. But, you know. Yeah. Depends on the person. We just got really 
old people. And, you know, we got three old heads on here, I know. Three? Three, yeah. Do you, I count as one? Yeah. You mean do I count as I one? You're you just were, a catcher in the rye is your you favorite book that you read. Old. I thought you were calling the two adults in the room old, my no. bad. Three old heads. I'd count myself as one because I like all the oldest stuff. I mean, I just said I like Dune. That was like, what, 60s, 70s that uh, was made? Yeah, 70s. 70s. Because my dad tried to read it, and he said he couldn't. Yeah, some people can't. It makes sense. There's a lot of stuff. Yes, Mr. Quinn, once again. I need to stop doing this. I need to stop chiming in. Oh, we need you to. East of Eden. That's a nice title. I um, like that. John Steinbeck, so the guy who wrote *Of Mice and Men*. Mm. Um, that it has like biblical allegories, but I read that this year and was like blown away with how like the villain character is like like she she's really messed up, but how people interpreted it at the time was like, oh no, it's because she's a woman that <laughs> she's like this. And it's like no, like. She has these things, and at every step, the main protagonist forces himself into connection with her. And she's just like, I, I can't, I don't know what you are for me. And I'm like, and plus, it's such a beautiful like description of, it's called the Simi Valley in, I think it's Simi Valley, in uh, California. And it's, it's just beautiful, kind of going back to the old better. It's like, it's. Now a lot of the world is so modernized and explored, and I feel like how he depicts landscapes and locations is just so beautifully nothing, if that makes sense. Like, it's like, oh, it's dusty here, or it's, and it's like, he lets you be able to explain stuff. Like, you fill in the gaps to make this beautiful area. So, if you like Catcher in the Rye, I bet you would like uh, East of Eden. I wrote it down, so yeah. I'll read good. it. I, I read Catcher in the Rye this year, and it was, it was very fun. Mm. I, yeah, it's a good one. Something I revisited, I listened to this before, but I re-listened to it over the summer because I had a job that let me put headphones in when I was working is it's in like it's an audio podcast it's like horror anthology it's called the magnus archives it's it's long it's 200 episodes but it's so beautifully written it's like it's so good if it was a book i would read it it's just it's it's basically like an audio book because it's just a bunch of statements put together Mm -hmm. about certain like supernatural occurrences and i love it a lot and i revisited it this summer, and it's probably my favorite piece of media ever written. Hold on, this is going down. Now. I would like to, as a professional librarian, I do want to throw something out there. There's a lot of people who come into the library and they say, I don't read, but I listen. Mm. Um, there have been study after study after study been done about how your brain lights up when you read. And it turns out that when you read, it lights up the exact same way as it does when you listen, mm-hmm. when you absorb. Um, any sort of, not the visual necessarily, like not television show, but like podcasts, audiobooks, uh, lectures, that, that kind of learning, it lights up the exact same spot on your brain. And listening is as, um, as authentic reading mm-hmm. as, you know, your traditional print book in front of you. And that's why I like it is the person who wrote it, Jonathan Sims, he left a lot up for your brain to interpret it. He doesn't say what any of the characters look like. He doesn't say what any of the monsters look like past like brief descriptions. Like, 
So I think it's really fun because you get to picture it in your mind, what's happening. When you guys read, do you see it? Yes. Yeah. You're not one do of Do you have people? that thing where you can't picture things in your brain? I can I can picture things, but when I read, I don't I, I cannot picture any of, of what they're they're laying out in front of me. That's the only way I can do it. I yeah. can feel it. Like I, I feel the book, which I know probably sounds nutty, but like I can't I can't envision it, but I can go on that emotional journey with whatever I'm reading and that is what sticks with me. But if like if you were to say, like, what did Holden Caulfield look like? I, I don't know, a guy? <laughs> I was going to ask another question, but you can't probably relate to it. You might. Is there, like, when you read certain scenes, do you picture places that you've been to? Because I know when I, pick, when I read, like, mm. a scene in a house, I picture a certain house that, like, I used to live in. That's the go-to. Kind of. So mine's a mixture. It's either movies that I've seen mm-hmm. or games that I've seen or places that I've been to. It's a mixture. Any memory that has some sort of similarity to the place that they're describing comes to my mind. Like, for instance, in Radix, when they talk about the desert, it's supposed to be just a white plain. I instantly thought of those salt um, flats inside of the, what was it, Idaho or something? I know mm-hmm. there's one in India or somewhere. I can't remember where they're located. But, you know, those long white salt flats have just nothing except it doesn't have, you know, the background that's just endless. Mm -hmm. That's what I think of. So sometimes, or like the cabin that's out in the desert, I think of actually very similar to a cabin that I go to every September with, you know, some family friends. That's what I envision. Stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd say I do. I guess that's the only way you can. It's really hard to make. Obviously, some people are just born with that ability to make stuff in their head, but I'm not one of them, so mm-hmm. I like reusing models and stuff in my head. I just think it's interesting to think of, like, what, how different people see books right. because of the different places they've been. But, like, again, like, I, I can visualize it if I'm not reading it. Like, mm-hmm. if I stop and I pause and I put myself there, then, like, I would probably imagine my own home or probably... Mm-hmm. But as it's happening, it doesn't play out, like, I... And I never realized that that was not how other people experienced reading until very recently. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Yeah. But I play like a movie while I read it. I don't know how, but I'm able to simultaneously read the words. And as they like form in you know my head for reception, they also play out in my like memory type of area. That's why I remember a lot of the stuff that I really enjoy. I cannot do that with dumb books. If it's a Garbo book, I cannot <laughs> like visualize a good spot. But for The Godfather, I don't know how. But I like thought of the whole movie in my head while I read it. Same with Radix. But like, I, I can't do that with just any book. Like if you told me to do that with what was it, To Kill a Mockingbird, mm. I can't think of anything. There's nothing. And it's not that that's a bad book and a Garbo book, but it's just something that doesn't, com- it, you know, it doesn't captivate me like right. the other things. So sometimes that will happen. But, you know, I guess it depends on every person. I don't know how you see it if it's like a movie or while you're listening to it, it's more like a scene is being built in your head. Because I could think of both ways being possible. I have... 
ADHD, so it makes me hard to sit down and focus on a book. I find that it's, I can, I know what's happening in my memory. I'll read it and then I'll sit and I'll think back, oh, what just happened? And then I'll remember what happened. But I don't like picture as I'm reading. I just, my brain doesn't make that connection. Yeah, that's what I was wondering because I do it proactively somehow. I don't know why. But that's how I remember a lot of that stuff. Do you want to say your, sure. your top book? Yeah, yeah I, I have two. Yes. I have two. Um, I'll start with The Starless Sea, which mm-hmm. is by Erin Morgenstern. Morgenstern? I think it's Morgenstern. She wrote um, The Night Circus, which was, like, fabulous. And it is all about this... Um, it came out in 2019. I, I, yeah, I don't know how I slept on it. But um, it's all about this young boy who at like the age of 10, this door appears in front of him and it opens up and invites him to walk through and he doesn't walk through it. And he spends the next like 10 years thinking about what would have happened if he had walked through the door. And now he's getting ready to graduate college and his whole life, like he's got his entire life in front of him and he has no clue what he's gonna do. And the door opens, it reappears and he walks through the door. And it turns out, um, and there are all these little mini chapters that like you, they tell these incredibly beautiful stories that don't seem to connect at all to what the main character is going through. And the door keeps opening, it keeps walking between these worlds where you're starting to understand slowly what's happening. And it turns out that um, he enters into what is called the Starless Sea, which is the universe um, above the universe. And it is so captivating and beautiful and and all of these little vignettes between it keep it fresh and, and really interesting. And you you kind of start to figure out who each person is. And when it all ends and comes together, the ending is really open. You really don't know how it ends. But what's, what I really love about it is um, almost everybody on the staff at the libraries read this book. And so many people have different um, perceptions. Like in the book, the main character, he's a video game designer. That's his whole thing. And so one of my coworkers is like, no, it's this video game. Like you just experienced this video game. And I was like, I, no, no, you didn't. But, but she feels so strongly about that. Uh, really intricate storytelling. Beautiful. 10 out of 10. It's really long though. That was kind of why I avoided it. it was How long? Like 500 Yeah, pages? it's about it's about probably 450, 500. That's not that That's bad. fine. That's like Godfather, so I got through that. But I can get through that. I read so good. And yeah. the audiobook is incredible because that's how I read it because I, I also struggle to like sit and read for hours and mm-hmm. hours and hours. Um, and different characters have different narrators, which is really fun. So it's kind of a casted audiobook, which is great. Um, but... That, and then my second one, my favorite book, and I know it's like a bold statement, but I, I really feel it very deeply in my in my soul. My favorite book is a book called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Oh, I've seen that. It came out in 2012. Um, it's by an author named Benjamin Sally Salis, and it is about two young boys growing up in the 1980s who are questioning just about everything. It's the first real interaction with how life works but it's the 1980s and these are two queer boys and trying to come to terms with who you are at that really pinnacle time of your life and then you put it in the 1980s where there's so much politically happening Um, and it's just this really quiet 
really beautiful book that came out 10 years ago and I read it and I just, it's just lived inside of me since I read it. It's, it's the most, it's poet, it's poetry. It's poetic. It's beautiful. Um, but then he announced that he was writing a sequel and I didn't, I could not imagine how you would pick up this book. Uh, the second book is Aristotle and Dante dive into the waters of the world. And it picks up the second that the first book ends, which I've never seen a sequel just like move so seamlessly into it. Um, and again, it's a quiet book, not a ton happens except for like that really difficult growing up. And um, in this one, there's there's a lot of grief in this book and a lot of um, really powerful, I think really powerful moments. I, I don't think I've ever, my dad passed away like eight years ago and I'd never had a book talk about grief the way that like I had experienced it. And I think that books have that incredible power of inviting people into the fold of something that you feel like completely alone in. And it, you might not be ready for it. I don't know if after my dad had passed away, I would have been ready for that book, which tackles that grief, but it does it so beautifully. Um, but I think that books, fiction, stories, podcasts, whatever it is, they have this incredible ability to build a world that feels similar to your own, that if you have nothing going on in, in what's right in front of you, you have somewhere to go, something to experience. I don't know. Anyway, those books are fabulous. 10 out of 10. I think everybody should read them. You'll be better people because of it. Maybe not. You can hate them. It's fine. No, I'll probably like I like that No, I probably stuff. like it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it a try. We have them at the library. Okay. Ooh. Shout out Barrett Memorial. Yeah. It is narrated by Lin-Manuel Miranda. I have strong feelings against Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, yeah. He's a weird guy. Valid. Totally valid. Is that a speaker on audiobooks or something? Yeah, he wrote Hamilton. And he's Hamilton in Hamilton. Oh, what a tank. He made himself the main character. I actually didn't feel those... And he's a bad singer. I'm a bad singer. I'm going to write a musical about it. But only he can encapsulate the character. He does it wrong, too. Yeah. Most of the <laughs> historical facts are just not right. What do you expect? It's a Broadway show about I, something that's going to be a little wrong. I just loved it on the cast album, like the professionally recorded cast album. He, like, visibly, audio speaks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's constantly being outsung. Ooh, let them do this. There, there must have been one person that's like, "Hey, uh, what are you, what are you doing there?" Maybe don't do that. Maybe, yeah, let's. Uh, how about we cast this a bit differently? I saw a TikTok that talked about how Lin Manuel Miranda probably wanted to play Bruno in in Encanto, oh, probably, God. and then his like heartbreak of not being able to play him. Disney was oh, like, cry oh, about it. No. no, they saw Hamilton. They're like, we're not letting this big goofball come in here. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can tell he of has, Lin Manuel Miranda. He has, he has a a like um, that voice melody in his head, and he just writes songs to that melody. Like it's just a constantly going melody. Uh, that's right. not very cool. No, he's yeah. not cool. So All right. Then, Any of you guys into sports? Yeah, I like. <laughs> <laughs> I like sports. Top sport moment. 
Ask this for a moment. Mm. I have a big one. Really big one. Which one is it? I'm a big Michigan fan. And yeah, one of I the saw that blow. I have no clue about any of that stuff. That's not a sport I watch, but I saw it, the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that was, yeah, the fight with Michigan State was crazy because Michigan, Michigan's football stadium only has one tunnel to both locker rooms. So both teams go through the same tunnel at the end of the game when tensions are pretty high. And Michigan-Michigan State is a big rivalry because they're in the same state. And so one two Michigan dudes got jumped by Michigan State players. And there oh was like there's like videos of like this dude getting beat with his own helmet, like stuff like that. It was pretty bad. But what I wanted to talk about was the Ohio State game. So the biggest rivalry in college football is Michigan Ohio State. Like Ohio schools in Ohio will cross M's off of everything because M stands for Michigan. So they will like take down signs that have M's on it. Like the date, like the the week of the game, people won't send emails because it has an M in it. The day of the game, so Michigan beat Ohio State this year, and it was very good for me. I really appreciated that. I'm very happy for you. Yeah, Coach Dave is a big Ohio State fan, so he gives me a lot of grief because Michigan hadn't beat Ohio State in the past since like 2011. Since like last year, they won, but before that, it'd been like six or something years since they last beat Ohio State. So this was a big win for me. I just wanted to bring that up. I went to the Star Wars night at Miller Park, mm-hmm. and it was great. The 405 <laughs> was it? Not the 405. The 405. That's highway. God. They uh, got the whole thing in there? They got the highway first in there. first was there. It was All of it? Uh, and I guess the game was great, too. Mm-hmm. I got a giant hand koozie that looks like Ooh. a fist. Ooh, that's fun. Pretty awesome. It's not Miller Park anymore. It's American Family Insurance Park. It'll Is it always actually? be Miller Park. Yeah. Oh my! What a bunch of greedy. I, mean, I, I can't know. say that word. That why would they change it? The whole, we, their whole thing is Miller. Because they paid more money. Oh, oh yeah. Miller <laughs> as much as the Brewers wanted, I guess. Bunch of things. I can't Should believe our professional sports team is named after a beer, like the Brewers. You can't? Yeah. And then the Packers are because we used to pack cheese. Yep. Yeah, makes sense. It's better than the Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. That, that's true. <laughs> the classic name. You know, we used to brown in Cleveland. What is that? There's nothing there. <laughs> is there a name for it? What's the reason for that name? I might just be ignorant, but, like, that's not one of them things where it's like, oh, yeah, you know. Our state likes blank, or they have a reason to name it blank. It's just I, the Cleveland Browns. I don't follow a lot of sports, but I really love going to sporting events. Mm-hmm. Like, I find the energy of sporting Community. events oh, yeah, really no, that's fun. fun. Like, I, I went to more baseball games this summer than I've ever been in my life. It's hockey season, and, mm-hmm. like, I I love going up to Milwaukee to those hockey games. I, I like the energy of a sports arena. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, half of the time, I have a friend that goes. She's my sport friend, and she explains things to me. And I say, thanks, my good friend Heather. And then there's that. The Cleveland Browns were named after their original coach. Yeah. Their founder. Oh, I figured. Oh, that it's sucks. Like, terrible. <laughs> exactly. That's horrible. I told you, it sucks. <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, they also are just a god awful team, so I don't really. Nah, I'm. I'm I, I rep Cleveland. I love the Browns. Just kidding, they suck. But like, <laughs> Cleveland, was it? The Lions had had the worst record in football, which was oh, 16. They hadn't won a single game. And they were the only team who hadn't won a single game until the Cleveland Browns went a whole season without w- winning a single Let's game. Let's go, Browns. Let's go. So Love Cleveland. Appreciate them for taking the uh, <laughs> taking Thanks for taking the heat. <laughs> they did it. They filled they their role. It. I think my best sports moment, because I don't really like that stuff. I like combat sports a lot, was when the Deontay Wilder fought Jake Paul. <laughs> and then every conspiracy theorist within the U.S. was like, they staged that fight. No, they did something. The, you can see Deontay Wilder, when he fell after getting hit by Jake Paul, the, he did something with his hands that told the ref to call the match. It's like, I mean, listen, I hate Jake Paul as much as everybody else because he sucks. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he's a bad boxer. He's, he is decent. He is, he's getting better. I think his challenges that he's making right now are kind of stupid because he challenged um, not only Conor McGregor, but also Andrew Tate, which whether you like him or not, he is a phenomenal fighter, which is stupid to call him out when you're on like, what, your second year of boxing? That one's kind of silly, but my favorite was definitely looking at that, seeing all the things on Instagram and these like 40-year-old men going, uh, he's no boxer, uh, he has no talent, there's definitely a tell in there, when in reality, and even other fighters were like, yeah, no, he's just good. I mean, he's not good good, but good enough. I mean, he's invested so much time and money yeah. into it, it's like... Yeah, you're gonna get good at it when you hire all these coaches. Yeah. Work on it constantly. Yeah, no, he's he's working. He's putting in the work. If I had an influencer lifestyle and I had limited unlimited amount of time and money, I would definitely become a boxer. Boxer would be the fun one. That or any MMA fighter. Well, like what else are you gonna do? You got money. I would not choose to be a boxer. Why? Why not? Go on trips or No, that sucks. Travel. Philanthropy overrated. Yeah. Professionally doing it with skill and tech. Now that's different. Mm-hmm. If I go out and start picking fights with people in like Dublin or something, that's different. Wait, why in Dublin? Because the Scottish and Irish just have this. We're going into stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Because no. I've heard multiple podcasts and stories <laughs> of people from Ireland saying that Dublin is single handed the worst place on earth because of the amount of fights that they've been into. Mm. Also, my, my very limited experience of being in Dublin, I've never heard of that. Were you out late at night? Yeah. How late? Um, <laughs> yeah, once, once Bar- oh, 12 a.m. hits, you, you got to watch out. It wasn't bad. I you must have been in the good there's part. One, there's one area on the south side that's not great. He only got into three fistfights while he was there. Yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That in Wexford. Wexford is also considered one of the worst places to be in. Um, <laughs> the guy that I was listening to said that he used to drop <laughs> giant tubs of water on people <laughs> below him in Wexford <laughs> because of how just dumpy the place was. Anyway, I don't... I for, oh, yeah, I said Dublin sucks. Anyway. Um, do we want to end on our favorite memory from the year? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. I couldn't really remember <laughs> a favorite memory. I don't remember anything. 
I do remember. I got my bag crashed this year. <laughs> Can't remember I nothing. That's all I remember. Oh, I yeah, know. I've had a concussion this year. Did you? Yeah, I probably. That's why I probably, probably don't remember anything <laughs> from this year. What's your favorite traumatic experience <laughs> that has impacted your memory of the year? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't remember it. Yeah, it's a blur. So what was your actual memory? Um, I remember I was, Sam told me this one. Jesse broke the crock pot for concessions. Yep. Yeah, he did. He was trying to empty out the hot dog water and he, yeah. somehow he messed it up yep. and it just like. It dropped, and then the porcelain innards cracked, and that crock pot had been in use for, like, what, five-plus years? Yeah. Longer than that, probably. Yeah. Yeah, see? That crock pot was like a family heirloom, <laughs> and then some ginger kid comes up and breaks it. God. Thank you, Jesse. Come on, Jesse. Sponsored by him now. He owes it to us. I also really liked Mr. T's class. I think mm. any time I was in Mr. T's class, I was just having a good time, especially AP Psych, because it was, there's only three other seniors in there with me. So it was like a smaller class compared to the rest of my classes. And I don't know. I just miss him. I feel like he should come back. I agree with that. Him and Colian, not Mansky. Mansky can, you know. <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. No, 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 no. Who, who do you think is going to disagree with me? Negative. No, I'm going negative. You, best memory of the year, Kyle. It, my best is when he left. Listen. <laughs> God. When <laughs> he He did so much to this school and then just dipped. Not as. Listen, Mr. Quinn, you cannot disagree with me here. He did a lot of stuff and then he left. Precisely. My point. So Yeah, I think everybody would do that. Like anybody anytime anybody leaves. They did okay. a bunch of stuff in a lot. A lot of bad <laughs> stuff. All right. He you was, want me to stick that on? Like what? All of the, so his plans for schooling. I heard from Miss Anderson that he advised within a week that they had to change all of their planning for like the whole school year because they wanted to adapt their school or the English department. So Mr. Uh, not Mr. Miss Terrell, Miss Anderson, Miss Evans all had to completely rewrite what they usually would have within a week to fit four different new classes because he thought that they would get more kids from Badger. Was was it Bigfoot? No, Bigfoot. 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 And nothing happened. We're currently partnered with a different school that changed our whole schedule and nobody enjoys it. Least favorite thing from the year was the schedule change. I'm gonna be there. It is, and it was awful. I loved block days. Block days were so good because you could do a lot of stuff in them, and now we only have two. And C days are awful because you can't do anything. Yeah, there's nothing to do. My entire school career was C days. Yeah, yeah, but and it sucked, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I, because you didn't experience block days. I wasn't nearly as intelligent. Kids are. We're not okay. Listen, you don't have to be cream of the crop to notice that you know the schedule change is awful. Like the re- I, I think this is my hypothesis. The reason that you do not understand the joys of um, block days is because you had never tasted tasted the wonderful fruit, tasted, tasted the wonderful <laughs> fruit of block days. Well, in college, we basically did block days. Yeah. We would have larger or longer class periods, and yeah. have them. Yeah. Did you like them better? 
I mean, I... Those fine means you like them better. Well, it was also <laughs> subject matter that I enjoyed a lot more than math and science. Exactly. Now imagine that you're doing those subjects, but you can't do anything with them because they cut the school the school time down to 45 minutes a period. I'm assuming that you're able to experience it a lot what better. I dealt with yeah. The entire school week, I I know nothing different, and I was able to make it work. <laughs> well, yeah, everybody can make it work. I could have made it work, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to be angry about it. I can be bitter. The thing that sold me on Black Days was. Miss Thiel gives you so much more time to work on your homework true. in class when you're in a block day because on C days she just gives notes and then you get the homework like yeah, as you're end leaving. of class five minutes left and you but have time to do one question with block day she actually like does the notes works mm-hmm. through questions with you lets you like work in groups sometimes do your homework and it's yeah. like it's do so you, much better. Do you feel like you're retaining that information overnight? Because part of the reason. Part of what I liked about getting homework that I actually did at home rather than finishing it in class is that a lot of the stuff I would forget about from day to day. Theo's was easy. I mean, Theo is a phenomenal teacher, so like, mm-hmm. I feel like she knew how to teach it in a way that you could retain it. But some she still does. I think I, yeah. I remember a good deal of stuff. But the problem is, I like to, I listen. I, even if it's not doing the working class. I usually do my homework in the morning. I don't do it at night. I think night is time for me to just do whatever I want. So, and the morning is the time to deal with the stuff I don't want to deal with at night. However, the time that she gives you, or any teacher for that matter, that they give you is not strictly for homework. It's like a flex period. And that little bit of flex is nice for when you don't know something. If if the whole class is having a problem with one section, instead of just going, okay, by end of class, and some kid's being too scared to come up and ask her, because she she is an intimidating person. I'll admit that. She is a, a wonderful teacher, and I love her as my math teacher. But there is times where it's like, oh, I don't want to be ridiculed by my friends and, you know, have to get taught this out in front of everybody. You can do that with everybody, though, because at the, most of the time, if you're not having a hard or if you're having a hard time with it, basically everybody else is going to be having that same hard time, except like maybe one person. She can go over whatever you want to go over within that next 20 minutes of class time that she gives you. So the kids that do understand it can work on it and they'll probably retain it because of the fact that they already understand some of the basic concepts of it. But because of now that you don't have that possibility all of that potential you know understanding afterwards without any outliers gets removed and i think that's the main problem with what we have right now that's why we don't like c days because that's for a lot of day that's a lot of stuff it's too much now it's too much i want to get stuff done and the things that i don't really care to get done i I know i do it in the morning (laughs) but even for like building and construction is one of my favorite classes but it's the most annoying thing to spend 10 minutes of your only 45 given minutes to get materials, to get your tool belt on, and then, you know, start working on stuff at the very beginning. You get in the stride of it, and you go, oh, five minutes left. Okay, guys, clean up time. That was me with my painting class last year. I found that I didn't work on C days because it wasn't worth it to get the paint out and mix exactly. it. And it's just, it wasn't worth it. That's the same problem I had. That is how I get stuff done in the morning because <laughs> right. I come in at six so I'm here like an hour before everybody else gets here and yeah. it's the only time I can do work but no I think that's 
that's great reasoning. It's good to know. I'll, I'll try and bring that up in our admin meeting. Thank you, sir, because we tried to do that last time with good old Mr. Mansky, and everything went past him. That's why That's why I said I didn't like him, and I still, if it ever gets out, I think he did some wrong things. He was not good at receiving feedback. I Yeah, I he, agree he with this. He had a way that he wanted to do things, and it was his way or the highway. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the problem that we carried. Yes. So I, I can understand. Mm -hmm. His problem was he's also a middle school teacher, along with being a high school teacher. That's and it, studies show that middle schoolers do not benefit from block days because they're not seeing that core subject teacher every single day. Mm -hmm. They need to be in math class every single day. They need to be in science every single day. High schoolers do it better, do block days better. But when you're in middle school, your brain's still not there yet. Makes and sense. he found studies that said, like, you need to get kids in these core classes every day. And I hope he gets better at that because he's taking all this time to go to uh, UW, not UW, where is he going? Whitewater. Just Whitewater High School. Whitewater. 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 Yeah, I don't know why I said so UW. UW. I was thinking of UW. UW, UW Whitewater. Oh, nothing? Okay, well, then they, he they gets learning. <laughs> he gets the learning experience of not dealing with middle school and high school. There you go. That was, that was part of Middle school. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Especially but, with some of the disciplinary issues we've had. Yeah, we had a lot of, I mean, look at the bathrooms. God <laughs> dang. That, that's, it's just been notorious for the past couple of years. It's just the bathrooms. I can't use the restroom bad. anymore because one stall's gone. The paper towel dispenser. What? They don't have any more. Yeah, the paper towel dispenser got knocked down by some Melvin that was in there, and he was like, oh, it's not working. This is, I'm not going to say the name because I'm not trying to get them in actual trouble. But that's the problem is that yeah. we're, I'm not going to fix things until we can actually punish these kids for doing it because otherwise they'll just keep doing it. Do you yeah, just, like, you know. shake your hands? Like, what are no, you doing? No, this is just a roll of paper towels. Yeah, it's, it's either just a roll. Well, Doesn't no, that... here's the thing. That wasn't there for a while. Yeah. In the starting periods, the idiot knocked down the paper towel dispenser because he said he was trying to get it and it wasn't coming out, so he pried it open for some reason, and then it fell off. You're welcome for that little tidbit. And then afterwards... Oh, yeah, I know you know that, damage. but... Well, just in case you wanted to know a series of events. Thank you. Anyway, that happened. What you would have to do for the first week is just like, yeah, whip your hands around to get the water off or wipe them on your shorts or pants. I feel like that would promote boys not washing their hands because they don't want to deal with that. Yeah, it probably like, would, but... Yeah. Do not put air dryers in uh, No, thank you. They're gross. I don't care about grossness. What the, my problem is is the sound. It's I don't want to be inside the, uh, another classroom and some kid goes. Well, you can already hear the toilet flushing from Miss Steele's room. I know, I because it goes to the wall and that sucks because someone will flush it and you just hear, and it goes through the walls, and there's a lot of them throughout the class period. Sometimes I'm one of them. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not a good thing. But yeah, disciplinary action inside of our school is getting a little, a little shifty now with how, uh, how much stuff is getting, getting away with. Yeah, like I have new partitions for the bathrooms. I just, they won't let me install them until we can confirm that they're not going to immediately get broken. 
What price? Super expensive. Yeah, I'm sure. A lot of that stuff was expensive stuff that got completely ripped off of the, the door. Got oops, excuse me. The door got ripped off of the wall. They took it off the hinges. They literally ripped it off of the hinges. Yeah, it's just completely pried like the metal. They are, and the other one. But the middle school one, it happened the same day as the other one that fell off. The middle school one fell off too. Oh, we got a fugitive. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't know if it was that one was intentional, and they because. The kid reported it yeah. when it fell off, but I'm not sure if somebody had messed with it beforehand because it kind of looked like they had. Oh, I'd be kind of surprised because the only ones that I think could do that are high schoolers because the middle schoolers are babies. Oh, yeah, like high schoolers are going to the middle school bathroom. That's what I'm saying. They are. <laughs> Wait, they are? Yeah. They are. Why? They are I purposefully <laughs> stay away from them because I don't want some little pipsqueak sixth grader going in right next to my stall. But when... Your bathroom looks like that. Yeah. They don't want to use that bathroom, so they go to the middle school one. It's out of necessity, all right? I haven't used a middle school bathroom since I was in middle school. Good. I think I stopped using it in like seventh grade because all my classes in eighth grade were in the high school. I don't want to sound like sexist or making us any assumptions on gender, but the girls' bathrooms are perfectly fine. No, that's not There's sexist. This is true. There's them. a difference between sexist and being realistic, and realistically, <laughs> our bathrooms are horrendous. Yeah. Whether it's you know. Excuse I my crudeness. Piss on the floor. That's happened a couple times. Girls are just more considerate, it seems like. Well, I think it's also uh, well, the boys are trying to get their kicks in, and they do stupid stuff like that to see, you know, how far can they push the envelope before they get caught. Yeah, I kind of want to just take off all of the partitions and just leave the toilets. Oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> That's no. like that's like prison dookie. But it won't affect you guys. Yeah, that's it's my just, type of thing. I don't use them in the first place. People who use school bathrooms without necessary. I looked at a house in Walworth that had, I think they called it a Midwest toilet, and it was just a, a toilet hole. in the basement with no nothing around it. Just a hole. I want that one. In the ground. No, it was just a legit toilet, but it was there was no doors. Just there was a hole. nothing. Yes, yeah, it's a hole. <laughs> they got a bucket and they drill the hole through, and there's a 40 foot deep well that goes down. Why 40? Because 45 would be can, too like, much. Don't wait get crazy for it enough. To, you like yeah. hear it? That's how you check. Every week you have to wait, and you get it. You 40 get, feet is the amount of waste you will have in your life. <laughs> yeah. For one adult, if you're get, if you have the family, you got to get like 1600. Don't be crazy with Somebody it. Somebody did a lot of research into that. I'm the one that created the well, like, thing. What are you out, talking about? Outhouses are real. Yeah. Out, like, yeah, but they have yes. like a six foot hole that's just wide and there's no way to get rid of it. And they would just pull over dirt and stuff and call it good and move it over. Or they'd have, what you know. How did we get here? Outhouses. How? Because about the Mr. Gibbons Mansby. at our school keep taking bathrooms out. What's the best memory of the year? And we ended <clears> on... My best memory was him leaving, like I said. <laughs> Gigantic holes of. All right. What was your favorite best memory from the year? I traveled alone by myself for the first time in my life this year. I went to Montreal, Ooh. and um, Ooh. no, it Exciting. was it was like a defining experience. I've traveled quite a bit, but I always travel with people. This was the first time. I just, it was amazing. That's cool. I always want to do that. Just like kind of call quits for about two weeks. Just go. I somewhere. went for four days. I didn't go crazy. I went uh, for four well, days. I'm but... gonna go rogue and do like two weeks. Leave a letter on my countertop and go, "Hey mom, hey dad, bye bye," and then go to like I don't know. I've been 
I've been looking for someone to go on a road trip with me out west because I want to go so bad, but my parents won't let me go alone. Dude, I want to just go somewhere. I don't even care. We, I want to go south, actually. South is cool. South, like Tennessee? Tennessee, stuff like that. I want to see some of the old Civil, uh, Civil War monuments and stuff like that. Nashville is so cool if you have money. It's <laughs> so expensive. <laughs> it's so expensive, but I like Nashville. Let's go to Cleveland. Cleveland? Yeah. Hey, where the Browns at? We're going to go with those little uh, bucket hats like the tourists. And they have the I heart browns. Right. Yeah, I heart browns. The little, the little snap computer. <laughs> what do you mean? No, I don't know what you're Every, talking that's about. That's like the I heart NYC, but browns. Yeah, the Cleveland browns. Yeah. That's what I'll be talking Named about. Named after their famous Cleveland brown uh, coach. Cleveland Brown, Brown was the coach? Yeah. Cleveland Brown was yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> They named it after their coach, Cleveland Brown. Yeah, it was his Cleveland R. Brown, no, the R. The animated, for like the animated character, Cleveland Brown, Yeah, was the coach. Of I don't know. Cleveland I want to just pack up and go somewhere. Yeah. But I can't do that now. <laughs> That's probably not a good idea. Well, if you're going to national parks out west, just, I would say don't go. Yeah, I know. Yeah, That's why. There's, I want to do the the Appalachian Trail. Ooh. It's yeah. like two thousand miles, mm-hmm. and it's gorgeous. Oh my gosh, it's I want to go so trail. bad. It is. That's why you can't go alone. Valid. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story I heard about, like a section, like a scary story about a section of the mm-hmm. Appalachian Trail where there's this like weird shadow woman. Yep. Fighter. I want to go on fighter. <laughs> Fight the shadow woman. Oh. But then there's also a really good book about. Fighting shadow people. Wild, right? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Fighting skinwalkers. <laughs> it's wild. Is it an older woman? Uh, no. Then it's probably. This was like a, a something This recording was two hours. Um, yeah, I hate to be that guy. We gotta yeah, cut it though because I gotta up. go I within eight to minutes. Too. I have to go set up for the basketball games. Hey, I gotta do two sessions. Look at that. Right. Crazy. Crazy. Do you so need to sign out? Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we do like last time? Just goodbye, everybody. And then we just now go. closing this tab. Uh, Yeah, we're closing a tab now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.